laugh. It's okay. Can laugh one. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, whenever I come back to GT, it's always a joy because I see a lot of classmates, um, friends, students that came out from school doing very well in the ministry. It's always a joy to see them and uh, encourage us from the school as well. Um, uh, like what um, we introduced, I have two kids, so I'm a young parent like many of you. This is a young adult service, right? Yeah, it's considered young adult. So a lot of young people here just got married recently, I suppose. Some of you are just starting to have families, uh, planning to have one. Think twice, please. Uh, <laughs> because it's not easy, right? Especially when you have kids. Oh, things get upside down. Um, so, but it's challenging, but yet it's, it's very fun. God is doing great things in BCM, also in my family, and hopefully in yours as well. All right. Now today, the, the topic of the sermons, um, Pastor Gwen was telling me, well, what should we call the, ser- the, the sermon? Or it may be ding dong, ding dong. And finally, we come up with this phrase, um, heart matters, heart matters. Right? Now, Dr. Edward Miller, Dr. Edward Miller, is this is a dean of the medical school and CEO of the hospital at John Hopkins University. It's a big shot. Really, really intelligent guy. And this is what he concludes. Okay? Probably some of you have read it before. This is what he concludes. People don't change even after heart surgery. People don't change even after heart surgery. Now, you'll be wondering what is it all about. Now, of course, he's a medical doctor. He said that after people have gone through bypass, very expensive heart surgery, very painful surgery. Now, my mom just gone through, a, a, what do you call that, the, the tube that you put in the hand, what do you call that? In, in angio, angio, yes. Just went through that, angio. And after, usually after uh, the surgery, the, the, the doctor will tell the patient, you know, now you have gone through this, you must take care of your body, you must exercise, you must eat food that has less fats, you know, more uh, healthy food, and so forth. And then, what happened? The first month, most of the patients, very disciplined. Oh, they, they are very scared. You know, they eat food, discipline, they exercise, they work out. After two, three months, huh, back to the old guy and old lady, you know. The old habits all kicks in. So even after heart surgery, according to the survey done by Dr. Abbott, most people don't really bother. <laughs> they don't change. The lifestyle's still the same. So that's why a lot of people, after going through one surgery, they will go to another one, even though they know it's painful, it's expensive, but they still don't change their lifestyle. Uh, hopefully, you don't end up like that. Huh? Uh, Malaysia is very used, uh, known for our diabetics and also a heart surgery issue is kind of a common thing in our country. Now, so what Dr. Edward says here is true. Even after a change of physical heart, the heart that is pumping blood to your bloodstream, most people don't really change. However, a spiritual heart is a different matter altogether. In fact, the Bible put quite a lot of attention to the heart. And this heart is not your physical heart. It's not talking about this organ that is pumping blood. The heart that we are talking about from the biblical point of view, it refers to the whole being of a person. 
Whenever you look at the word heart appear in your Bible, it's not talking about the organ that is pumping blood. It's referring to the whole being of a person. It includes the intellect, personality, emotions, desire, and will. A very famous pastor, um, he de defines heart in this way. It is the convictions and motivations that determines what feelings or thought you accept or reject in life. I repeat again. It is the convictions and motivation that de determines what feelings or thought you accept or reject in life. So that is what heart is. It is something not really physical. You can't see it, but it defines who you are. If you manage your heart, this heart well, according to the Bible, things will turn out pretty well for you. Your life will transform. Things will never be the same again. However, if you don't, you're not careful, things will go the other way around. Now, I come from Bible school. Before I became a president, I was a lecturer. And before I was a lecturer, I was pastoring in a church called First Assembly, Pudu. How many of you know where is Pudu? Not the jail. Huh? I don't go into jail. I didn't go to the jail. I, I went there just to visit once, but I don't pastor people there. There is a little church near, actually not too near Pudu jail. It's near Pudu Plaza. Okay, if you know Pudu, you should know where is Pudu Plaza. It's a little church there. So I was there for some time, and uh, I served there as a Christian education pastor for a year. And in our team, we always discuss how can we help our, member, our members to grow strong spiritually? How can we make our training more effective so that our members will go strong, they'll be mature, they'll be able to handle a difficult situation, and they will flourish in their life. So we try very hard to implement many ideas. We try very hard to do a lot of things. We keep trying and keep trying. And it's like with all the effort we have put in, somehow there will be still people that don't grow, if you understand what I mean. They will just come to church and then they will go back. Nothing has changed. It's not a transformed person. Now, of course, every time we come to church, we always hope that to hear to testimonies of people who have transformed by the Lord and things like that. But to be very honest with you, to be very honest with you, I'm a pastor, I teach in Bible school, I've seen a lot of things happen in the church. There are many people gone through the training, yet remain the same. Now, I thought, I thought that is just at the church level, right? Maybe when I go to Bible school, shouldn't be the same. Right? Bible school is supposed to be the school for the saints, right? I hope they don't get insane after that. So it's supposed to be school for the saints. So I go there. And I was teaching. And again, we provide the most effective program that we can come out with. We have tried very hard. Different methods, different programs, you know. Uh, whatever you call it, we have tried it. But we still realize there will be Students, gone through our program, even completed, graduated with it, but sooner or later, fail miserably. Not because, not because the person is not educated enough, but spiritually, morally, ethically, failed. They turn up to be, you know, worse than a non-believer. 
at the end of the story. So what got me to think further? What is the problem? What is lacking? What is lacking? I realized that I have and my team have, have neglected a very important area. Important area that we often um, don't talk much about. You see, yes, we focus a lot of the programming side. We do a lot of activities to jot-start the spiritual life and so forth. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, every individual, every individual, your heart will determine the outcome. At the end of the day, no matter what program you've gone through, no matter which church you go to, whether big or small, which Bible school you go to, whether you go to BCM or others, if your heart is not pure, it will turn out the same. So heart really matters. And that really opened up my mind. For all the things that we have tried to do, there's one very, very important factor we must not forget. That is, every member, every individual, every student, that is the area that I cannot control and I cannot see because it's in you, your heart. And that heart of yours will play a major role to determine whether you will end up to be a transformed person, a person who is flourished spiritually, morally, and so forth, or you turn up to be a hard, hardened, could be even worse than a non-believer's going against God. And that is because of your heart. So heart really, really matters. Can you help me tell your neighbor, your heart matters? both physically and spiritually, right? <laughs> Don't forget your physical heart. So, heart really matters. And I want to bring up a passage that most of us are very familiar. Um, if you have been in church for some time, I'm sure you have heard this before. And Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 15. This is the parable of the sower. Okay? Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 15. If you have a Bible, I hope you have one. Um, switch to one. If you don't have one, uh, borrow, <laughs> share with your neighbors, okay? Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 15. I, I particularly like the Luke, Luke version. That This parable, parable of sower, you can find in Matthew and Mark. But in Matthew and Mark, it's more on the teaching of Jesus, whereas Luke started off in the ministry of Jesus. And in particular, Luke's version talks about the heart. Okay, we'll come to that afterward. Okay, if you can find Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 15. I will read from the New International Version. Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 15. Verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told us this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when they came up, the plants withered, because they have no moisture. Other seeds fell on thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Verse 9, his disciple asked him what this parable meant. 
He said, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables so that those seeing, they may not see. Those hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear and the devils come and take away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky grounds are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell along, among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the worries and riches and pleasure, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving it, produce a crop. And that is the parable of the sower. Now, actually calling it parable of sower is really a misnomer because the parable is not really about the sower, if you read it carefully, right? The parable is really about the soil, the one who received the seed. Everything in this parable remains constant. The one who sowed the seed, the seed itself, and the gesture is the same. They all get the seed but you see there are four different types of condition, if you want to use that term, um, and each condition will turn up a different outcome. So many people say, maybe you shouldn't call the parable of the seed, maybe you call it parable of the soil instead. Now, I'm not going to do a very in-depth exegesis today, okay, which some of you might be expecting. Say, oh, President, huh? must be very high, high technical, critical thinking. No, no, lah, I'm not. Lah, huh? If you want to go there, uh, come to BCM. Lah. We have a course called Parable of Jesus. Huh? In that course, we go through it very detailed and then until you cannot sleep, huh? uh, you will keep thinking about parable and parable and parable. Now, what I want you to focus on in this parable is the last soil, which is the good soil. All right? Now, this is one of the rare cases where Jesus explained his own parable. Most parables, Jesus don't explain. He just expects you to find out on your own. But this parable, Jesus explains it. And he says, that this is the last, last condition, the last soil. Um, verse 15, But the seeds on good soil stand for those with a noble and good heart. Now, if you have different translation, you may get different things. Maybe a good or, or noble or innocent. Because in, in the original language, it's basically good, good. Good, good heart. Uh, but it's different terms. Okay? You're not going to do Greek today, so I'm spare you from the Greek. Basically, it's talking about a very noble heart, a very clean, very, very honest person. However, it's kind of hard to, how do you know what is good, what is bad? What do you mean by a good heart? Or in the original, good, good heart, right? good and noble heart. What do you mean by that? Um, I think the easiest way for us to understand this, one of the ways to understand this, and the easiest is this. You look at the previous three conditions, right? And that tree should set as a contrast to the good heart. In other words, the good heart is not those three things. And from there on, you're kind of able to grasp what a good heart is as an outcome. It's, it's like a comparison, right? The parable is showing you this doesn't work, this doesn't work, but this works. Right? So there's like a comparison. So from there, we can try to understand what a good heart means. And we will look at the three conditions that Jesus presented earlier on. 
Okay, let's start from the first one. The first one, if you recall the parable, a parable says that the, the seeds fell on what ground? The first condition. Anyone? What kind of ground is that? Hello? Are you reading the parable? What ground was that? Along the path, right? And it was trampled on, the birds added up. Got it? I think only half of the people are still with me. Okay? You know where we are? Okay? So the first condition, okay, according to the parable, there's this farmer who scattered the seeds and some of this fell on the path and then the birds came and ate it up. And what did Jesus explain? What, what is this condition? He says, the seeds, the word of God, and those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devils comes and take away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So in other words, if, we, if I may paraphrase it, I would say a heart, the good heart is a heart that is free of evil. A heart that is able to resist the devil. Because in the first condition, the heart couldn't. The person who received the word, but the devil took the word away. Now, the word devil, in the original language, basically it means adversary. Right? By the time of the New Testament, um, the devil is seen as a figure that is powerful, controlling the world of darkness. But when you look at the whole Bible in general, the devil does not necessarily represent a person or a, a creature. It basically means anyone or anything that goes against God, adversaries. Right? When you read Job, you have this person that is talking to God, and bringing about calamities and so forth. So anything that brings about um, distraction, um, bringing you away from God, can serve as a form of devil. And it says a good heart resists the devil. Today, in our church, in our world, the devil is very smart. Right? I was just talking with a friend recently, in the church, and it says that nowadays we hardly see demon possession in the church. When was the last time you see one being cast out? Oh, rarely you see. I think in my church, almost more than 10 years, I have not seen a real case of demon possession that you see, that thing come out and so forth. Very rare nowadays. So as I was reflecting in this parable, I mean, the devil come and takes away the word from a person. Now, if I'm a member of a church, I want to be very careful. The devil doesn't come and take away. So we always expect that these creatures, this evil spirit will come and just take away the word from us. And it's not happening, right? It's not here. So we are safe. The devil cannot be here. This is holy ground. I realize uh, the devil has changed the game plan. No? no longer the devil comes in such a scary features anymore. He comes with a word I, you know, nowadays iPhone. <laughs> I'm not saying iPhone is devil. Huh? Those of you have iPhone, okay. But I'm saying your phone can be a form of adversary. What do I mean by that? Now, be very honest with you. I also fall into this area. Huh? Can I be very honest? I can be very honest. Huh? 
The Bible is telling us a heart is very matters. Heart matters. And if you don't resist the devil, the word cannot produce fruits in us. Right? So what is stopping that? It is the devil. And the devil can come in many forms. It can come through your phones. Many people today come to the church, especially times like this, when we are listening to someone preaching and talking. It's very boring. So what did you do? Oh, your phone has Instagram, has Facebook, has all these apps, right? Every now and then, you will start ding, 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 and you will look at it, and you will play with it, right? And some of you, holier, you are reading your Bible in your phones, read, 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 and then you read some devotional. Maybe the preachers are not uh, deep enough. You read your own commentaries, I suppose. I hope so. And then some of you are using the phone, you know, uh, you have business call and so forth, so you're always waiting for somebody to call. So your phone can be a form of, um, I don't want to use the word devil, but adversary, something that will distract you from God's Word. You know, when you're doing your devotion, when you're reading God's Word, and many of you, of us, including myself, we use the phone to read God's Word. And that becomes a problem. Those days when you use a hard copy, you don't have this problem because... Your hard copy is not interactive. But your phone is. And you read your Bible, so the ding, ding, something pops up, right? And then it distracts you from God's Word. To me, nowadays, those are the things that take the Word of God away from God's people. Anything that distracts us can be from our adversary. The devil does not have to be like a devil nowadays. It can come through your phone. Uh, if not your phone, it can come through your family members. Right? Like, like for myself, young parents, I know many of us here are young parents. Those days when I was still single, oh, those were the days. I got all the free time, right? I can do my devotion. Huh? Remember that, Roger? You can read the Bible. Oh, so enjoy. Right? No diapers to change. So good. Like every day I can just, on my sweet time, take out my coffee and just enjoy. But now, when you are married, now to be very honest, very frank, you realize that time is never enough. Really. Not just you have to share with your partners, especially when you have kids. Now, I'm not saying your kids is the devil. I'm not saying that. <clears throat> but they can distract you from God's Word. Now, to be very honest, it does. They do. My, my children, when I start having my first kid, I am a pastor. By then, I'm already a pastor. And I struggle. I do struggle. Even pastors struggle, don't we? Right? We all struggle. How can we have time for our family, for our ministry, and at the same time, to read God's Word? Not for sermon only, but really to edify our soul, our spirit being. It's a struggle. It's a real struggle. So I can, when I contemplate this, I'm thinking, if I struggle with this, what more, my members? Those of you who are working, right? And now, nowadays, our economy is not doing so well. And some of you may even take up part-time jobs. You, you, you do one job in the morning, nighttime, you take a grab, you do start driving grab. You've got no time. You have to feed your family. So those other things can also take up your time, distract you from God's Word. Now, I am not saying that you take away your family so that you can read God's Word. 
please don't think of me. I'm not that evil, okay? I think as every man and woman of God, we have to take care of our family. But we need to prioritize. We need to prioritize. Now, don't tell me you cannot say, Pastor, I've got no time, I've got no time. Whenever people tell me no time, no time, no time, I always tell them this story. Say, there's this very rich man. Go to, to see the doctor. The doctor says, you better keep fit, no? If you don't keep fit, everything will go haywire. Then the, the man says, i got no time, you don't understand, doctor. You are a doctor, but I'm a businessman. i got a lot of meetings, i got this, i got that. After a few years, the doctor says, so sorry to announce to you, you have this problem now, you have a cancer. If you don't exercise, you will be gone by three years. Immediately, the man got time. Okay, I will do it, I will do it. Hey, I thought you said you got no time, but now how come you got time? It's a matter of priority, right? It's a matter of priority. So again, even for us as pastors, church leaders, members of the church, um, your family members, my family members, can come and distract us from God's Word. And if we are not careful, we neglect God's Word entirely, and we may even forget about it. And that's where the Word is taken away from us. So your phone, your family members, or even your business can be a form of adversary that takes away God's Word from us. If those things doesn't take, maybe these things, what I'm going to mention to you, may take away God's Word from you. Three things. Skepticism. Many of us today are battling with skepticism when a pastor is preaching. Before the pastor's conclude, in the mind of the person, is already asking 10,000 questions. Uh, these pastors are, the grammar a bit out. <laughs> these pastors are, use the wrong term. This pastor, I have seen all these people, you know. And, and whenever they come to church, their eyes like the examiner's eyes. Oh, what is going on here? Now, even for myself, you know, I'm a Bible school lecturer. I teach New Testament. And I, when I visit churches, when I listen to sermons, my antenna immediately shoot up. Is this person exegeting the word or eisegesis? Is this person using the right parable? Is this person using the right genre? All the criticism will come up from me. I struggle. Uh, those of you who just graduated Bible school, huh, you will struggle for a few years. Huh? Let's just let's let you know. You will struggle. We struggle. Every time we listen to a sermon, we are not listening to the word. We are listening to the presentation style. Honestly speaking. Just admit it, lah. Some of you are like, eh, no la, no la. You are la. If not, you're checking me out now. <laughs> right? You're listening for jokes. You're listening for certain things. You're not listening to the word. Careful. I admit I have that. So when I listen to my students preaching, I can't help it. <laughs> so, so those things immediately come out. So you may not be a skeptic, but when you come to the word of God, when you listen to God's word in the pulpit, or when you're doing your Bible study, those questions distracts us. Those things, those criticism distracts us from God's Word. Skepticism. Secondly, busyness. People are busy. Too busy for God's Word today. I already mentioned that. No excuse. It's a matter of priority. Thirdly, worldly values. It's a clash of values today. Many young people today stop reading the Word of God because they find the Word of God ancient. Too archaic. Not... Um, 
what's the word? Reasonable enough for me today. Worldly value. So these are the things that will take the Word of God away from us. The devil does not come in the form of an ugly creature anymore. It only appear, those ugly creatures only appear in the cinema. But these are the things that I mentioned just now. Those things that will snatch the Word away from us. Even now, as you're listening to this sermon, they are there. And they will snatch away the Word if you're not careful. So a good heart has to learn to resist the devil and all forms of distractions that takes us or takes the word of God away from us. That is the first thing we need to take note. Now come to the second condition. Besides resisting the devil or the adversaries, in the parable we find that Jesus says, after the path, then some fell on the rocky ground. And when it came out, the plant withered because they have no moisture. Now in his explanation, this is what Jesus says. Those on the rocky ground, verse 13, are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. Now if I may paraphrase it again, a good heart is a heart that is deeply rooted. The heart that is able to persist on despite of trials, despite of hard testing. Now the testing here is particularly concerned, most likely working towards testing of pain, of something that makes us feel uncomfortable with the Word of God. Because the third one later on you see is more on the positive one, the happy, happy one. This testing that we are looking at here in the second condition deals with um, the tenacity of a person to withstand persecution, testing. And it's very true. Today, the Word of God being preached by many of the new believers especially, when they go back home, they will struggle, especially with family members who are not Christians. There are moments when they reach home and the parents realize that they went to church. Oh, they get into a big quarrel. I have members who came to me and say, Pastors, before I, were, before I become a Christian, I got no problem with my family. My family is so peaceful. Of course, uh, not all the way peaceful, but at least there's some form of peacefulness. But now I become a Christian, my family rejects me. They don't want me anymore. They want, they want to kick me out. Now, of course, here I don't think that is the main problem. I hope not. But many of the Chinese community, if you preach to a Chinese especially, a filial party is one of the things that they really, really treasure. And for them to have their child, especially the firstborn son, joining a church is like they lost a son. They were persecuted. Many of my members were persecuted. And some could not withstand it. Just like what the parable says. The word of God is given. They take the word. They believe it. They accept it. But when they go back and face with their family, they give up. They throw it away. There's no root. The root in this way, it means the tenacity to withstand 
persecution, pain, especially pain, pain in many forms, whether socially you're being persecuted, hopefully not physical. Some actually did experience physical persecution. Um, in China now, it's going through very severe persecution that people, uh, church members were kicked out from their building just because they refused to put on the uh, CCTV, which is required by the law now. Just imagine now you have a CCTV, uh, then uh, your government is watching your sermon, and they can anytime come and interrupt your service. And they go through all sorts of persecution, physical, and in Malaysia, maybe not all those things, but counterfeit teaching. You have many people claim to be Christians today. Be careful, they may not be Christians, or at least the Christians that we believe, right? The Christians that like we all do. They may tell you a lot of things that sounds like Christianity, but they are not true Christianity. And they will tell you, you are not believing the full gospel. You must also read this book, read that book. Be careful. Those are not real Christianity. Okay? And so persecution can come in many forms. But a good heart, a heart that has deeply rooted in God's Word, we learn to persevere. Now, it's always easier to say than to be done. I'm saying this as though it's very easy, but I totally understand it's very tough. I totally understand. Like I said, I have members who are persecuted to the point that their parents push them out of the family. They have no place to stay. I have seen members like that. But if your heart is really hunger for God's Word, there will be a point of time you will have to choose. Now, I hope that this doesn't shock many of you, but the Bible does mention, the Bible does mention about this. There will be a point of time you have to choose who comes first. It, it will be a very painful decision. But if your heart is rooted, you're able to withstand that pain, then God's work will definitely flourish in your life. We'll come to that afterward. Now move quickly to the third condition. So a good heart does not only just resist the devil, a good heart does not only just deeply rooted, able to persist on despite of trials and pain, a good heart is pure. In the third condition that Jesus mentioned here, in the parable, there are others a seed that uh, fell on among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. According to Jesus' explanation, these thorns represent what? Represents life's worries, riches, pleasures. Verse 14, you can read that. In other words, worldly earthly desires. Right? So pain, that is the negative kind of persecution. You know? that, that may take us away from the Word of God, away from us. And many say, oh yeah, we, we preserve that, no problem, right? We can see that coming. But the third one is harder because it comes in such a disguise as though you thought it's a blessing, right? Life worries. Now, when you worry, why you worry? Because you have something to worry about. 
right? I, I visited some of um, the Christians in Cambodia. They are very poor. They are very poor, but they are not worrisome. They're happy all the time, even though they are poor. We are worried for them, somehow. cannot, oh, must have this. But they are not worried. Uh, whereas I see many Christians in KLPJ, very worried, because there are so many things in our life that, this, that, that takes our attention and makes us worrisome. So, earthly desires will actually take the Word of God away from us. What are the earthly desires? Um, sometimes we have people uh, summarize this into uh, acronyms like 3W, uh, work, woman, wealth. A very masculine, uh, woman, uh, more about men. Cannot fit the M, W, the Bali, uh, cannot, doesn't work. They say, okay, 3G, 3G. Huh? Uh, go, glory, and girls. Uh, G can change, girl from guy to gay. Uh, can works. So, so go, glory. The G can change. M cannot, right? So, these are earthly, earthly desires, right? Greed. What is greed? Greed is the, the feeling of dissatisfaction of what we already possess. You have a lot of things, but we still find not enough. So that's greed. Uh, covered, covetousness. The, what is covetousness? The feeling of wanting something that doesn't belong to you. And these kind of things that will really takes the Word of God away from us. Now how? You may say, how? Every time when we are listening to sermons nowadays, uh, we have to be very careful. Many of us, uh, I shouldn't say many, some of us perhaps, when you come to the church, you're looking for success recipe. What do you mean by that? Oh, because if I listen to the sermon and I get some principle, I can go back. If I do it, then I will get a lot of money. I will get my business flourish. Everything will work well. Now, honest, we, we all start from there. Many of us start from there. Right? But those are earthly desires. And if things doesn't work that way, oh, I go to another church. I go to another sermon. Maybe this sermon is not, not practical enough. Not good enough. Doesn't help me enough. And some of us, uh, this is young adult service, not youth service. Not too bad. I used to, I, I was a youth leader those days, huh? even though I'm still quite young today. <laughs> youth, I have youth come to church. While they're listening to sermon, I don't know why they don't look at me. They look at someone else. I say, how come? Huh? Then I realized when they come to church, they're trying to find out somebody la, and then to, you know, find girlfriend, boyfriend. La. There are people like that. So when they're listening to sermon, they're, they're not listening. Those things distract them from God's Word. Right? They get choked up. Even though they may be believers, but those things just keep coming in. Now, especially for those of you who just got started dating. Uh, anyone here start dating recently? First month? No, huh? All of you have gone married already. Huh? Okay, not yet. Nah, huh? I have a... Okay, I shouldn't say this, but I'll just tell you this. There is a couple in our school now, very young couple, students. Huh? They come to Bible school. I thought they come to Bible school to study, but I didn't know they come to find mate. Ayyoh. Anyway... 
there is a couple now in the Bible school, very young, right? And then when we were preaching, these two fellows don't know what they do there, you know, talk, 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 talk. I said, a hey, Bible school student, uh. Bible school student, they're not supposed to do that. Those days, that's why, that's why there's a rule, uh, back those days, Bible school, uh, that you cannot sit next to each other and all. All the guys sit one side, all the girls sit the other side. Really, there was this rule. So we thought that rule is really ancient, we threw it away. Now they can sit side by side. Oh, yeah, we didn't realise this, this, this was the problem. That must be the problem. That's why they stopped doing that. So when we are preaching then they are preaching another sermon out there. I also don't know what's going on. Girls, guys, relationship, right? Earthly desires, partners, they will distract us if you're not careful from God's Word. Even while you're listening to sermon, earthly desires can distract us, can choke the Word of God even while you're listening to it. So a good heart must learn to overcome earthly desires. So having said all this, right, a good heart is to resist the devil, a good heart must persist in pain, a good heart must overcome earthly desire. So what should we do to be a good heart? After saying all the no, 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 so what now? So if you take all this away, and put all this aside, then you realize a good heart must strive, must strive earnestly to receive God's word as much as we could so that it is not being taken away, it is not being blocked, it is not being choked. And so that the word of God can, that's what the Lucan version, I like it a lot. It says here, the word of God may stay with that person stay, retain in it, and persevere so that it will produce a crop. So if you want to be a person with a good heart, to see spiritual fruits being the result of your life, then you need to pay attention to this. You need to develop a good heart to be very practical, very practical. How then can we do that? Every time when you come to a sermon or before you read the Word of God, search your heart. Search your heart. If there's anything in your heart that's, that's resist God's Word, that becomes an obstacle, that stops God's Word from entering into the year, Search your heart. In a Pentecostal service, usually we don't do that, right? It's always hoo hoo ha ha ra ra. But in a more traditional service, before the sermon, there's always a point of a pause where the believers or members can quiet down and just to prepare the soil, the heart, so that when the word is preached, you are ready to receive it. So I really like the way you know, the service is conducted here, that after the singing, there is a time where we really tone down a little. You know, sometimes we get so excited, we, we, we are on adrenaline. But when you go with that, by the time you hit to the time where the sermon starts, our mind is still running f so fast, we, we are not ready to receive. We're still thinking a lot of things. 
So search your heart, even in your own devotion, when you're reading your Bible at home or in your office, don't just read it, oh, this is my usual devotion, I'll read it. If you do that, most of the time, your mind, you're, you're reading, but your mind is not listening. You'll be thinking about what's lunch, what's dinner, right? Who's the people that you're going to meet? What's the agenda for the meeting afterwards? Those things will come if you don't search your heart. So search your heart first. Search your heart for any obstacle. Then, secondly, hear the words with all your might. Pay attention to it. There's an author of a, a pastor, there's a pastor who say this, the art of listening is missing in the church today. We in Bible school, we train our pastors the art of preaching. So our pastors try very hard to preach. We try to get your attention. But it has to go both ways. As members, as listeners of God's Word, we must train our ears to listen. Listen attentively. Give attention to God's Word. There will be things that may distract you. Put those things away. Stop anything that distracts you. If your phone is distracting you, turn it off. Is it too radical here? No, huh? can I can accept. Uh? If your children is distract you, cannot turn the children off. La. <laughs> cannot. You cannot turn the children off. How? Teach your children to listen with you. Now, it's a hard thing. It's not easy. I, I'm experimenting now with my kids. It's not easy to get a kids to sit down with you. Right? It's not easy. But you've got to start somewhere. That's why the Jewish people, they're very good in this. Literally, when they come for their synagogue service, they sit with their parents. And they have to learn how to sit down quietly to listen. Listening is missing. Everyone wants to talk. We need to train again the art of listening, to be attentive to God's Word. Listen. Pay attention. Don't be distracted. I know dinner is coming up soon, but don't be distracted, okay? Focus with me. It's, it's almost there. Focus on God's Word. When the Word is being preached every Sunday, every Saturday, pay attention. And if I may, we will also say, before the service, don't do something too rigorous that will take up all your energy. Um, those days in the U.S., um, this is the advice they give to all church members. If you have to attend a church service on Sunday, Saturday night, please sleep early. They literally give this advice. And I think it's very um, good. Because if you come to service already so tired, how are you supposed to listen? Right? So if you can, right, for five, five o'clock service, before that, don't do something too rigorous. I know some of you are gym junkie, like, oh, I must go and work out. They come here, oh, sleep. You have to work it out. Prioritize, right? Make sure when you come here, you are fresh, you are sharp, you are attentive. Pay attention to the word. And then thirdly, when the word is preached, after you listen to it, meditate. How do you meditate the word? Very simple. Just keep repeating the word in your mind again and again. That's what the Bible says. The word is retained in that person. Before you can apply the word, you must first of all know the word. And the word of God must be in your mind. How can you know the word if it's not there, right? So you keep repeating the word of God. 
repeat it. One of the easy ways to do that is to keep talking about it. Uh, that's what I, I advise my members to do. After the service, right, talk to someone about the sermon today. If you can recall, that means it's there already. Right? If you can do it for Sunday or, or today, then tomorrow do it again. The, the day after, do it again. Keep talking about it so that it becomes part of your life. That is one way to meditate it. I know many of you have heard some other preachers, some other teachers have many other methods of meditation. You can go and study about it. But to me, <clears throat> the easiest way to retain the word is to talk about it. And finally, act on God's word patiently. Whatever you receive it, you have to do it. And that is where life transformation begins. The word of God takes root in your life become part of you. It's not just in your mind, not just knowledge, but it is being lived up in your life. So as you have this heart ready to listen to God's Word, the Word of God, once it's preached to you, once you receive the Word, it will be like what Jesus says, like a good soil. It will go in and then it will stay there and then it will produce fruits. And that's what life transformation will happen. And I'm going to conclude. I'm going to conclude this way for today. Many of us, um, you may have different issues when it comes to the heart matters. I don't know your issue, but God knows. I'm just going to open a time here so that we can talk to God about it. What is stopping or distracting you today? We're just going to pray about that, okay? What is distracting your heart today and taking the Word of God away from you? Let's pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to work deeply so that each one of us will have a heart that is good and when the Word of God is sown to us, it will bear much fruit. Can we do that? Okay. So you just... I'm just going to open us time to pray. Um, if you can, just all of you, just, just stand up if you can. I know it's time is a bit out. Just stand with me for a short while. In your own place, at your own place, just pray to God. And just seek the, the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to re reveal to you what is distracting, distracting you away from God's and His Word. What is distracting you away from God and His Word?